11 Personnel is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real-time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. The thing I love about the GameTime app, you don't even necessarily have to have a concert in mind or a game in mind. You jump on the app, you see what's going on in your area. They have a whole list of concerts, games that are going on for the week and for the month. I had my eye on that K-Rock Almost Acoustic Christmas uh, set that's going on later on this this month. They're going to be out of town. I was disappointed that I'm not able to go, but you should jump on and see if you can score some good deals and enjoy that concert. Game time is so easy to use. You go on two clicks. You can see exactly where you're sitting and buy your tickets. So definitely check it out. That game time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download that game time app in Google Play or the App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Rich Hammond, Rams beat writer for The Athletic. Joining me in one moment is Jake Reiner from CBS2 in Los Angeles. And we, oh boy, Rams fans, we are here to talk about the Rams-Ravens game on Monday Night Football. It was ugly and are you sure you want to talk about it rich no i debated just kind of skipping off to mexico or something and then letting you handle it for for the week and, and just oh. calling it a holiday week jake but so uh, sweet. we we have to do our duty to to the fans and and you know what there's maybe we can help a little bit jake maybe we can kind of help the catharsis and uh and, and help uh, fans get to get through this week but you got to get you got to get past it right maybe is what we can say it's thanksgiving week for for our friends in america i, I know we have uh, we have friends all over the world who listen, but it's Thanksgiving week. It's it's a week of, of happiness, of, of joy, of, of thankfulness. So so let's just flush it right now, right? Let's let's <laughs> let's get through it and, and talk about what an awful game it was, and and then everybody can maybe go on and, and enjoy their their Thursday and enjoy their Thanksgiving dinner. But but Jake, it was ugly, and you know what we. And, 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 you know, even before you joined us on the podcast, we, we've tried to be measured in, in our comments and, and we've tried to have some perspective at times, even when things aren't going well and, and say, yeah, you know, maybe that was a bad loss, but here's things that you can reasonably look at or, or here's why, you know, here's why you should still retain some, some hope, some optimism. And that was bad. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it, not going to try to put any kind of positive spin on it. That was as bad as I've seen since I started covering the Rams. And I'm talking about going back to the Jeff Fisher era in 2016 mm-hmm. because the expecta- the expectations change. Like, this is not the 2016 Rams. Uh, the, there's too much talent on this team. There's too much good coaching for them to just go out and get absolutely blown out by, by a good team. That's, let's be clear about that. The, the Ravens are a very good team. Uh, but for the Rams to go out and put that that kind of effort out there Jake was was not something that I expected to see. Yeah, I think Eric Weddle put it best. He said, "I never thought in a million years we'd get completely destroyed, and especially at home too, in front of the home crowd." We saw even at halftime when the game was still kind of in reach, I guess you could say, if you wanted to put something positive on it, but the fans were booing them off the field at halftime. They were booing them at the end of the game, and it was 
sad to see, honestly. But I have to say, though, even though we look at this season and you could arguably say that it's pretty much over and a lot needs to happen that the Rams can't control in order for them to make the playoffs, i.e. the Minnesota Vikings need to start losing and the Rams need to start winning in order for that to happen. So mathematically, they're only two games behind the Vikings at this point. But this was just awful. I I summed it up last night after the game. I recorded uh, some stand-ups for the show last night on CBS2, on Sports Central and for KCAL. And I said that Lamar Jackson had six possessions last night, only six, and they managed to score a touchdown on each possession. We talked about how they tried to stop the run. That was what they were trying to do all week, was stop the run and stop Lamar Jackson. They didn't stop them once at all on defense, and that was the difference in the game. If you can't stop the other team from scoring, then the offense really has no chance. Here's the thing that that got me, and and that I agree 100%, is that it's not that the Rams lost this game. I mean, there's there are people on on Twitter on social media who are still you know kind of being optimistic and saying, hey, that that Baltimore team is a good team, and they are. And that's the, every almost every sentence I say should be prefaced by that because the Ravens were fantastic. They they were outstanding in in what they did. But to me. Jake, this this was kind of like a measuring stick for game for the Rams because we haven't been sure exactly what to make of them. I mean, we've known all along the offense hasn't been where it needs to be. The defense had come along. We, we talked about that recently. The last four games, I wrote about it, the last four games had been very good, uh, albeit against weaker competition. But you kind of had this feeling like maybe slowly, incrementally, they're starting to figure this out. and Maybe they can get to the end of the season and peak and, and be at their best. And and I, I had a feeling that this Baltimore game was going to be the one that was very revealing in terms of where do the where are the Rams really right now? And guess what? It was. It was revealing. And and what happened was they were just quite frankly, they were outclassed on on both sides of the ball. So we can we can still sit here and talk about, well, you know, if if they win four out of their last five, if Minnesota loses, you know, you can you can get in as that second wild card spot, and yeah, that that can all still happen. But you know, I just looked at that game last night and I said the Rams were not in the Ravens league in in terms of just across the board again, and and that's what was startling to me. It's it's not that you lose the game, it's that you no longer look competitive against teams that are Super Bowl contenders. And, and I'm really not sure, Jake, with, with five games left in the season, I, I, don't know how you, I don't know how you turn that around. I mean, what were the positive? We, we talked about it. You and I talked about it briefly on the field when, when the game was ended, and I know you were tweeting about it during the game. What were the positives? I mean, can you name three positives in terms of players or uh, things from that game? Can you name three positives that, that took place last night? I can name one positive with four syllables, yeah. Samson Ebukam, or five syllables. Right. Is that five syllables? Five. There we go. We got one more syllable in there. Close enough. Close Samson enough. Ebukam. We're, we're, not, we're not math people. No, here. we're that's, not that's by okay. any stretch yeah. of the imagination. So five syllables, Samson Ebukam. 
I thought that he played particularly well on defense. He had one and a half sacks last night and a few tackles here and there, and he looked great on the field. He looked athletic. He ran down Lamar Jackson at one point, and I sort of turned to the person next to me, and I said, wow, he really he really caught up to him. I did not think he was going to catch up to Lamar Jackson, and he did. So if you want to look at that as a positive, you could look at that. But gosh, I mean, it is it was bleak last night. It really was. And the one point I wanted to make was is that, and we talked about it briefly on the field as well, which is it's not so much that they lost the game. It was how they lost the game. If they had put up a fight, if it was competitive and they end up losing this game, you could say, okay, well, arguably the better team won, but look at the fight that they put up. And you can use that fight, you can use that as momentum going into the into next week against the Cardinals. But it wasn't even close at any point. And I asked Andrew Whitworth after the game about what happened to the run game. Last week they had, you know, they they pounded the ball with Todd Gurley. And this week right. it was nowhere to be found. And Whitworth essentially said, well, when you're behind by so much, you don't have enough time to run the ball. You have to pass the ball and try to play catch up. And that's essentially what they tried to do. And unfortunately, it didn't it didn't work. Yeah, it, it was just a complete meltdown. I mean, everything you, you knew coming in that they were going to have to start strong. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens M.O. all season long has been you get that lead, you run the ball, you milk the clock, you 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 just you take the air out of the ball. And the Rams knew this, and they had to know coming in that they were going to have to get off to a, a good start. They, to, ideally, they were going to get the lead and, and play with the lead so that they could kind of dictate that pace of the game, so that they could be the ones running the ball, that they could be the ones forcing Lamar Jackson into you know throwing the ball rather than running it or, or all the, the 10 other things that he can do with it. Um, and it, it just it was a complete disaster from the beginning because the Rams get the ball to start the game, and there you go, perfect opportunity. You have the ball first, you can make a statement, you can drive down the field, and what happens? I think they get two yards and they punt. And Baltimore goes down and scores. And then what happens? The Rams get the ball back. And I think they actually went backwards because there was a penalty in there. And, and they punt again, and the Ravens score. And before, almost before you can blink, before the end of the first quarter, the Ravens are up 14 nothing, and they are exactly where they want to be. They're in their comfort zone. They're in their sweet spot. They're able to do what they've done to teams all season long. And, and the Rams are just totally out of sync because – not only can they not stop the Ravens, but as you just said, Jake, they can, they now have to up basically abandon whatever thoughts they had of, of establishing that run game or, or getting Todd Gurley going. And it, it just it took them completely out of sync. So, you know, what went wrong there? I, I don't know. I, I would look at, you know, Sean McVay and, and the play calling a little bit at the start. Uh, I think you could see early on, uh, th there were some plays to be to be had there. They, they were able to to throw the ball down the field early on, and uh, it, it did open my eyes a little bit. I thought, hey, maybe they can throw on this team a little bit. But then, 
it got kind of oddly conservative at times. There was that third and, I don't know what it was, third and 14 or, or, or something like that, which certainly is not an easy, it's not an easy conversion to pick up on, on third and 14. But what did they do? They, they threw, you know, some kind of screen pass or some little hook route to, to, to Cooper Cup, and it just went nowhere. I mean, it was, it was never going to be a play that got you more than seven or eight yards. And and I just looked at that and went, gosh, you know, you've you got to come out and, and go for this. And and then even later on, you know, the fans were booing because the Rams punted on, I don't know what it was for. It was fourth and short uh, from about their own 40-yard line. And again, one of those situations where you go, hey, at some point, you you got to go for this. And and then by contrast, you had John Harbaugh going for it on on fourth down, you know, and and when they were already up by twenty eight points or, or something like that. So it, it, yeah, that fourth down yeah. that fourth down play was something where I thought if they could go for it here and and pick up the first down, then who knows what can happen after that? And you have that momentum moving forward. But they played conservatively, and you could argue, definitely, you could argue that. That wasn't the right call, and you needed to force the issue with this team. You needed to put some pressure on their defense. That never happened, and it seemed as though when the Ravens were on offense, Lamar Jackson could do whatever he wanted to do with it. He looked calm. There was there was never any pressure. Even when, even when there was a little amount of pressure, he was able to get out of it. But he never looked rattled. He never looked worried. He was cool, calm, and collected the entire game. And that was something that was very uh, confusing and also just amazing about him as a, as a talent, as an MVP candidate, which you look at him and he's just able to do whatever it is he wants at any moment in time. It was, if nothing else, spectacular to watch, but it also felt like it was one of these, it almost felt like a preseason game in, in the sense that yeah. the, the the pressure just wasn't on him and he was able to like, whoa, I guess I guess I could try this or try that. And Rich, he was he was 15 for 20 on his completions. And I don't know about you, but I don't remember him missing five at all. Like it did like looking at the game, I, I think I remember him getting one incompletion, but it definitely didn't seem like that much. It seemed like he was completing every single third down, every single situation. It was, and and it wasn't like they picked up a yard or two here on third down. They picked up huge gains every time. And when when that happens and and your defense stays on the field, you can't get off the field, you, you have no shot. Yeah, he was amazing. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. I want to clarify one thing because I just looked it up while you were talking about that play that I was talking about. It was a third and 18. So not an easy pickup. And you can say, well, you just got to try to do anything and maybe, you know, hit the jackpot. But I think everybody looked at that play. It was kind of like a bubble screen to Cooper Cup and it just didn't go anywhere and it wasn't going to go anywhere. And so, you know, whatever you needed to do there, that that <laughs> I didn't think that was it. And I think it kind of set the tone. But Jake, Lamar Jackson was incredible. And, you know, you, you can watch him on TV and, and you can see what he's doing. But but to see that the command that he had, which I, I think is a lot to what, you, what you're speaking to, and for that to be a 22-year-old quarterback, you know, basically in his first full season as a starter, I was blown away. Uh, just the, the command that he had of that offense and, and the confidence that, that he played with. 
Um, it, it, to a certain extent, and that Rams defense, look, there's a lot, a lot of people on uh, social media and on in the comments of, of the story that I that I wrote for the Athletic, you know, going all in on the defense, like, hey, you know, Wade Phillips, this, you know, how can they tolerate, blah blah blah. Two things, real quick. The Rams defense has basically kept this team alive this season. Look, just go look at the numbers uh, that the offense has put up, and and think about where the Rams would be right now if their defense wasn't as good as it was. Uh, they might legitimately be four and seven right now, or certainly five and six, if if the defense hadn't come up with some of those efforts that they had. Now, there's been a couple very notable egg layings in there, being the Tampa Bay game and this game yesterday, that you can't just write off, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying, oh, you, you dismiss those because, you know, the, the team in general has been, or the defense in general has been pretty good. But you can't just look at their, you know, one game and, and project and say, oh my gosh, this, this you know, defense is terrible and Wade Phillips is terrible and everything needs to be changed. Like, it was a, it was a very, very, very bad game against a very, very good quarterback. And, and I know, Jake, you, you heard some of the stuff that that Eric Weddle said too. And, and Eric was just like, he was wide eyed after the game. And he said multiple times, like, you know, look, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I didn't know where the ball was. You know, he, he's talking yep. about the, the, the ball snapped and uh, you know, they're running their fake or, or, you know, the handoff or don't handoff or, or pull back and pass. And he's saying, I didn't know where the ball was. And, and I'm the one who has to go tackle these guys. And I couldn't figure it out until, you know, until the, the ball carrier was beyond the line of scrimmage. And imagine playing like that. Imagine having to, you know, kind of figure that out as it's going on. And, the problem, Jake, is you can't you can't emulate that. You know that you can you can try to prepare for it in practice. I know everybody was getting on Eric Weddle about oh you're you're not telling them the the secrets or or whatever. Having watched that, Jake, I don't know what he could have told him. I mean, how what what are you going to tell <laughs> your teammates about having to prepare for Lamar Jackson? How do you tell them something? that is going to help them deal with that speed or that elusiveness or that savvy that, that he has. I'm not sure what Eric Weddle could have told the Rams that, that would have uh, helped them in, in that game. I mean, have you seen a better quarterback than, than Lamar Jackson this year? No, he's been yeah. amazing. The, there's and, and it's not, I think once he figured out his passing game, and he figured out that his arm is is really good and really accurate. What do you do with that? How do you? It's like how do you guard LeBron James? How do you how do you contain that type of uh, that type of player? It, it's it's nearly impossible. I mean, obviously there have been some teams that have figured it out. They have two losses on the season, but Rich, one thing that you brought up, I wanted to ask you. Because I thought I was crazy watching it from the press box, which was Eric Weddle couldn't find the ball. I couldn't find the ball. Could you find the ball? Yeah, I, look, there, I'm not there... going <laughs> to. This, this is this is a, a tough way to answer this question because I don't want to make it sound like oh I know so much about football. But I, I got to no. I'll, but I'm just saying yeah. from a, from a standpoint of watching it. Yes, I, I, and, I'll, and I'll give you I'll give you one example before, and I and I'm sorry to cut no, you off, but I, yeah. but I give you one example that really was like, whoa, 
I was what I don't I don't remember what scenario it was, but it was definitely in the first half. And there was a play where they he faked the handoff and and he kept it. Lamar Jackson kept the ball and he faked it to Mark Ingram. And Clay Matthews came through and pretty much tackled Mark Ingram. Right. And I thought at the moment I thought, oh, nice, you know, nice tackle. But then you look downfield and Lamar Jackson's taking off with it. And I just thought, oh my God, if Clay Matthews thought literally up until the last second that the running back had the ball versus the quarterback, that kind of puts it in perspective. Yeah. And to me, Jake, I, again, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but I'm, I'm rarely fooled watching it from up top. And, and we shouldn't be fooled because we, we have the best perspective. We're basically looking down uh, on the action. We're not on the field and, and, you know, screened by different players or whatever. Uh, I got fooled more in that game than, than basically any, any NFL game that I can remember. I mean, I know you see it sometimes with teams that might run the, you know, triple option or, or Delaware T-wing or something like that, where you never know where the ball's going. And, you know, it's like two different fakes and then a, and then a reverse or, or something like that. But to, to see an NFL team uh, uh, do that and, you know, the, the way that Lamar was able to execute those, and, and it wasn't just the ones where, like you said, he, you know, he kept the ball. I mean, he sold, you know, even, even the handoffs, he sold them so well uh, in terms of he, he still made guys keep their eyes on him even when he didn't have the ball. And, and his ability to, to pull back so many times, I had to look carefully and go, wait, does he still have it? Is he going to throw it here? Or like, what? and, and that's a complete credit. I mean, I know you can practice those things and, and, a, you know, a coach can, can, you know, drop a scheme or whatever, but man, his ability to execute that stuff was, was outstanding. And, and again, that's the sort of thing where I, I don't know how you practice against that. And especially in a, in a first quarter when, when you're seeing it at full speed uh, for the first time and, you know, those first two possessions were just kind of like a blur. The, the Ravens scored so easily, moved so easily. And, uh, you know, to an extent, you, you can't blame uh, the Rams because that, that's a tough thing to do. But, you know, one thing I know, independent of all that, Jake, one thing I noticed early on was that, the Ravens' offensive line was getting a good push, and and I noticed that early, even on the first drive. I went, "Uh oh," because you know it's it's one thing to to execute those fakes and that deception or whatever, but on those first couple of drives, uh, Mark Ingram was getting the ball, and he had some real estate in front of him, and and those linemen were not only winning the battle at the line of scrimmage, but they were also getting into that second level and and taking on some of those uh, Rams linebackers and. He had some room, and, and Lamar had some room, and, and that's one of the things that uh, really opened my eyes. Aaron Donald, very quiet, very, very quiet. I'm curious to, to go back and watch the coaches' film to see um, exactly what they were doing with him, but he was not um, he was not in the backfield very much that I can recall anyway. So uh, just a, a, an atypical uh, performance but by that Rams defense. But again, you know, I understand uh, people who are, who are critical of it. This was a big game. Uh, the Rams, you know, knew what they were facing essentially they've everybody's seen what Lamar's done uh, to teams this season and uh, across the board just uh, a, a very disappointing effort and to me that's what it is Jake it's not it's not that they lose the game I if, you know I think you I don't want to speak for you but for me if they had lost this game by three points or seven points or whatever I, I don't think we'd be sitting here uh, ripping them it's it's just that uh, it, to me again it, it just did not look like a competitive game it did not yeah. and I agree with you yeah if 
they'd put up a fight if there was some sort of push or if they'd come with even within a score with a with a touch within a touchdown you could say that you could carry that momentum into the into the next week you're playing a a, a fairly weak Arizona Cardinals team in your division right. and you could take what you did in this game and and push it forward but this was this was not that <laughs> and to your point about the running game, it wasn't just Lamar Jackson, even though he had a very respectable 95 yards on the ground, which was a lot more than the Rams had as a team. Mark Ingram had 15 carries and 111 yards. He had huge pickups, huge pickups. And Hollywood Brown had a nice game. And Ingram had two touchdowns, one he caught another one he ran in. And I think to be able to neutralize Aaron Donald, who came into this game with five, five consecutive games with a sack, and he only recorded one assist tackle, yeah. that was huge. I don't know how they were able to do it. Like you said, you kind of have to look back at the tape. I was trying to look to see if they were double teaming him. But they were able to stop him. I, I don't remember him being in the backfield. No. And there were some... The defense was on the field so many times, or for so long, rather, that you saw Donald, Donald uh, on the sideline for some series and some snaps to give him a breather. And the other person that they neutralized was Jalen Ramsey. And you also have to look back at the tape to see how many times his receiver that he was guarding was targeted and maybe they stayed away from him. Right. But he he wasn't a factor either. And then on the other side, you had Marcus Peters, who was all fired up and you saw him throughout the game fired up on the sidelines. And then towards the end of the game, during a timeout, towards the end, uh, towards the end of the end of the fourth quarter, he was dancing on the field and having a good time and enjoying himself and essentially saying to everyone there at the stadium, questioning why he was traded. And I think that him as a player, it felt, it felt good. And then, and then the cherry on top was that he, that he picked off Jared Goff and Jared Goff, who had two interceptions in that game is now fourth in the league in interceptions behind Baker Mayfield at 13, Philip Rivers at 14, and then Jameis Winston at 20. So Oof. this has not been a good year for Jared Goff, not been a good month. He has no passing touchdowns this month, five interceptions and four fumbles. You can point to the offensive line as a revolving door. They've had a number of injuries they haven't been consistent, obviously, and you can point to them as one of the reasons why Goff hasn't performed well. But at some point, he's one of the captains of the team. You gotta, you gotta figure it out. You have to figure out some other way to win. And unfortunately, he's just not doing that. 
there's so much to talk about, Jake. And, and you know, we don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the season, but we're, we're going to have to have some serious discussions about a, a lot of factors and about a lot of people. And a, a, a short list, and you just mentioned Jared Goff, and he's going to be on that list. Sean McVay is going to be on that list and and actually intend to, to write about that a, a little bit more this week for, for The Athletic is, uh, you know what, this is time for Sean to show something a little bit different. He's showed a, an extremely valuable and you know diverse skill set in terms of turning this team around and, and getting it to the Super Bowl. Uh, but now he's got a different challenge and it's, it's a very, very different challenge. In, in terms of kind of getting this thing back on track and, and making those adjustments. And uh, look, there's some there's some serious legitimate questions that, that have to be asked about Sean and, and the way that he's handling us and the way he's handling the offense. Uh, you can say the same thing about Jared Goff. And and again, there's there's nuance to it. As you just said, Jake, there's context about offensive line and, and other things. But I, I don't think you can look at Jared Goff's season in itself. Just just pull it out, you know, compared, you know, don't, don't, put it in any kind of context just pull it out and look at it and and it has not been very good we're gonna have to look at less need we're gonna have to look at some of the decisions that were made there in, in terms of not only constructing this year's roster but impacting the ability to improve uh, this offseason whether through the draft or through free agency because there's been so much money handed out uh, already uh, you have you have to look at him and you do have to look at Wade Phillips we'll, we'll look at that defense too and and you know is it the right kind of defense have they added the right kind of players and and do they have the ability to to maintain it and and be where they they need to be this is not uh, I don't know whether it's it's better or worse this way, but th- this is not a one. There's not one thing you can point to and say this is why it's going wrong. You can legitimately look at pretty much every phase of this front office, coaching staff, and roster, and and you can have a lot of serious discussions about why things are are starting to go wrong. Um, I, I laughed, Jake, about you, you, you saying that uh, Marcus Peters was, uh, you know, questioning why he was traded. That's uh, that's a very PG way of, of putting it. And uh, I, I know you, uh, <laughs> let's put it this way. You, you would not have been able to uh, um, broadcast Marcus Peters' comments on, on CBS, too. I think they, the, uh, you would have got a nice no. hefty fine if, if he was live on the air uh, saying, that, saying the things that, that he was saying. He was very animated and uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of compound expletives. Let's put it that way that uh, that I heard when he when he was running up the tunnel. But you know that's Marcus, and hey, he, he won the game and he got a pick. So you know to the victor goes the spoils, I guess. But Jake, here's here was one of my main takeaways, and and I want to get your thoughts on this because you were also in the locker room, and and we weren't always with the same people, so your experience uh, perhaps was a little bit different than mine. But what I wrote in, in kind of the gist of my story or a big part of my story was that I was surprised that there was not more anger in, in the Rams locker room. And, and I'll put an asterisk on it right away and say, I'm not exactly sure what I was expecting to hear, but I can tell you that I was surprised that it was kind of, it was very calm. You know, everybody was very polite and, you know, reasonable with their answers uh, you know, we got to get better. We've got to take a serious look at this. You know, we've got issues, blah, blah, blah. But I, I just, I took a step back and I went, who, who is pissed off in here? Uh, I saw it a little bit with Eric Weddle, uh, who, who is a guy who has not even been on the team for very long. He's only been here since March. So he hasn't even been part of this kind of, you know, from, from the bottom to the top, you know, now to the, to the middle, I guess. Um, 
Am I wrong there, Jake? I mean, did, did you did you hear anybody who just kind of had that that fire in their voice or, or that that anger? And, and again, I'm not talking about finger pointing. I'm not saying that somebody should be sitting there going, you know, oh, that defense sucks or Jared Goff sucks or Sean McVay sucks. Like, I'm not saying you you start to point fingers and, and fall apart. But I, I was just waiting for somebody to kind of say, you know what? We're six and five and we shouldn't be six and five. And we should be better than this, and we need to be better than this. And I just, I really didn't hear it, Jake. Did you? The question, who was angry? The short answer, not very many people. The fans. Yeah, the <laughs> fans were angry. They booed yes. a lot. Yeah, rightfully so. And and yeah, they were upset. They were upset because they wanted to see what their team was made of. And you could argue that this Baltimore Ravens team was the most dynamic and the toughest team the Rams have faced this year and to be at home the bright lights Monday night football and to put up that kind of performance it I I couldn't imagine sitting in the in the stands that it sat well with anybody that was rooting for the Rams last night but to answer your question besides Eric Weddle I didn't see any any fire and a little anecdote for you when we were going around and getting some interviews and some sound bites from different players, my photographer looked at me and he said, so are we good? We, we good on sound? And I said, yeah, we're good on sound. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, we didn't really hear what, what we thought we needed to hear. And yes. And when I was looking around, I saw some people crowding around Eric Weddle. And I said to my photographer, let's just wait for Eric. I want to see what he has to say. And Weddle was really the only one to express any type of emotion. And you could see it in his eyes when he was waiting to be asked questions. And it's one of those awkward moments that you know in a a media scrum where it's like, who's going to ask the first question? And... I, I sort of, I sort of said to myself, all right, Jake, here we go. Let's just get it out. Let's just get it out. And so I, I kind of asked him, I I wish I phrased it better, but I asked him trying, trying not to be like, you know, what went wrong in this game. So I tried to, you know, gear it in, in, in somewhat of a, a positive direction by saying, what was it like to play against your old team? And he never answered that question. He took his time. He took a deep breath. And that was the quote that you had in your story where he said, I never thought in a million years we'd get completely destroyed. It's tough to put it into words. The defense played awful. And I think that out of anybody, he was the most honest. And it was refreshing to hear given what we saw on the field. But I have to ask you, Rich, you've been around this team, you, you've you covered this team, who in that locker room, besides Weddle, and Weddle is a newcomer this season, but who, who, who in that locker room usually gives that sort of rousing response after a big loss or even a big win? I, I, I can't come up with right. anybody. And No, no, you, you're right. It, it's a good point. I mean, I'm not going to... I hesitate to do this because you don't want to put it on one person. But, I mean, Andrew Whitworth is a guy who's who's usually pretty uh, – he, he puts things in good context. And, and he can, you know, get after guys when 
uh, when when need be, and, you know, guys as a, as a group, not individuals. But uh, and and again, I, I just I didn't hear it. Then I talked to Andrew, and I just I came away going, yeah, that was fine. But Jake, we we didn't talk about this, but I had the exact same experience that you did. Uh, you know, I was around the locker room. You know, we kind of we kind of float around, and you either you know you you talk to guys individually, or you kind of join in on the scrums and and listen to to what's going on. And you know, I was in there for a long time, and I'm just going, man, I don't you know, I don't really have anything like these is just kind of the normal, like I said, the normal, yeah, we didn't, we didn't play well. We really got to look at this. It's disappointing, but I'm like, I didn't get anything that, that I didn't get any after any other loss. And then, yeah, you know, Eric kind of stepped up and, and, uh, you know, gave us kind of what everybody was thinking and, you know, kind of what we, we'd hoped to hear about, but I get your point, Jake, it's not the way the team is, is constructed. There's, there's not a lot of, uh, guys who are going to be kind of out front on that, I, I think, and I don't, I don't mean this as a criticism, but but I think they kind of take their cues from Sean. And Sean, after every win or loss, he he's he's pretty measured in in what he says and and with his message to the team. And and I'm sure I, I wasn't in there, but just based on on past experience, I was, I'm I'm sure his message to the team was, hey, you know, we, we got to get past this. We're we're still in the playoff race. We got to look forward. We can't. Sean, you know, one of Sean's pet phrases is always, you know, you can't lose to the same team twice. Meaning you you, you can't you can't keep litigating this game. You can't keep looking back at it. And I get that, and and I have a feeling that the the players, to their credit, kind of pick up on that, and you know want to have that consistent message. But it, it just it seemed to me that's one of those games where somebody had to come out and and say something, you know. And I, the the thing that I flashed back to immediately was uh, in 2016 when when things were going so terribly all over the place and and you know Todd Gurley said that uh he's very particular about this quote I want to make sure he that I get it right but he said that that it looked like a middle school offense out there Hmm. and that was one of those things where you're like yes you're exactly right Todd it did look like a middle school offense out there and uh, you know that's the sort of thing I I think Eric kind of got there um last night in in kind of putting it in in some good context his quote I think was uh, that they got their faces peeled off. Hmm. I don't. I don't even know exactly what that means. It sounds very it's, painful. It sounds like it really um, hurts. And and I really don't want to get my face peeled off. But but it, you know it kind of fit right. I mean, hey, you know if you, if you said that to somebody, you'd kind of go, yeah, you, you did get your face peeled off. Yeah. I, I think that that was be- I think that was beautifully said by Eric. Yeah, Campbell. yeah. I don't I don't know what it means, but uh, but but I I think he said it right. So I don't know. Again, maybe maybe I'm being a little bit un- unfair to these guys, but I'll tell you what, Jake, and I I, I I I might even end up hearing about this, but that locker room cleared out really fast too. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, usually guys kind of linger and, and you can you can talk to players. And uh, it, but that was uh, there were some land speed records set for for guys getting out of that locker room. And Aaron Donald left pretty quickly. Aaron Donald did not speak. And, you know, I'm not going to throw it all on one guy. He, he is a team captain. Uh, Aaron knows after the game that he's somebody who, you know, the media is always going to want to talk to win, lose, tie. Uh, you know, great game, bad game. Um, he, he's always somebody who uh, is is in demand to speak to. And yes, he did. He did skip out uh, while um, you know other other people were being spoken to. So not going to put it all on one guy. I'm not I'm not ripping Aaron, but uh, it was kind of uh, emblematic of of what was going on there. So um, you know, I, I don't know. And again, may, may, maybe some of it is unfair. Maybe. 
I, I don't know. I don't know what I was looking for. I don't, I don't know what I was expecting to hear. But Jake, I, I think we had the same kind of experience where we heard stuff in the locker room, but we just we didn't hear what we were looking for. And uh, you know what I also felt, to... Rich, mm-hmm. was yes. that there was even some tension among the press. There were the. It was like it felt like nobody really wanted to ask any questions or not so much that, but more of like, we don't know what to ask. We don't know what, we don't know what to say. It, right. it was, it was kind of that collective, like what just happened? And even when we started talking to Clay Matthews, it was like, we all gathered around him and he kind of looked around at us like, all right, guys, what do you, what do you have? And I, I, again, was, you know, one of the ones that was kind of, you know, started the questioning. I asked him a, I asked him a question kind of along the lines of what went wrong. And then there was another pause and no questions. And I, I, I don't know. It was, it was a, it was a very weird feeling to be honest, because even at, especially at home on the road is different because there aren't as, as many reporters uh, on the on the road covering the Rams as there are at the Coliseum, and when you and, and when we have games at the Coliseum, the locker room is packed. And I remember the previous week versus the Bears, that locker room was packed. I I could barely get myself in in inside to hold the hold the mic up, and my and I don't want to complain or anything, but my arm was getting tired to try and get the mic close enough to the player's face to get their sat to, to record their sound. That was a, you know, a, a win, uh, versus the bears. And that r- locker room was packed and people were clamoring to talk to this person and that person. And last night it just sort of felt like we, we don't know what, we, we don't know what to say. It was it was bizarre. I don't know if you had the same experience, but it just that thought popped in my head. Yeah, a little bit, just because it was so. Again, it was a, it was a total failure. I mean, usually you can go in kind of targeted and say, you know, well, Josh, the offense, you know, didn't get it done today, or the pass game didn't get it done today. But this was just like, yeah, you you didn't even know where to start. It was, like, you know, you, you literally just kind of go, what happened there? Um, and you know, you can kind of you have to break it down in in the micro almost. You know, over a period of time, like I said, we're, we're going to have to talk about a lot of these things, a lot of a, a lot of moving parts here that, that that aren't going in the right direction, whether it's coaching and personnel, a quarterback play or whatever. And, and it's hard to, you know, just sit there immediately after a game and say, hey, what happened there? I mean, you, you could sit down with, you know, a defensive player and say, well, you didn't do this right. How come you didn't do this right? How come you didn't do this right? How come? Uh, but it's kind of like you just you you kind of want answers that that aren't there and and even sometimes the players don't have the answers right after the game but that's where i kind of t- tended back toward if if you don't have the answers right now if you can't give us a full uh you know analytical game breakdown because you haven't watched film and you you don't know exactly why they broke down against Lamar Jackson okay that's fine but but at least let's you know let's let's see a little bit of anger let's see a little bit of, of frustration to to let us know that uh you know that, that six and five is not acceptable and and that just barely being in the playoff race is is not acceptable so interested to see how that uh, develops 
this week and and what the response is. But but Jake, you know, <laughs> let's we, we've talked a lot of, uh, about uh, negatives and and there's a lot of negatives. But <laughs> the weird thing here, Jake, and uh, people are going to laugh. Don't you know? Don't drive off the road when you're listening to this. But <laughs> the Rams are are still not actually out of this thing. Uh, they're they're six and five. Uh, I we I was talking a little bit on on Twitter. Uh, just about the playoff race and and you know where you should kind of reasonably uh, you know kind of cheer or expect if if you're a Rams fan, the NFC West is gone. Okay, the 49ers are ten and one. The Seahawks are, are nine and two. It's it's going to be those two teams battling it out for for the division title. And quite frankly, I, I think whoever doesn't win the division is is probably going to end up with the first wild card spot. Uh, but then. You know, the rest of the NFC, you barely have any 500 teams. Uh, Green Bay and, and Minnesota are now tied for the lead in the NFC North. Uh, they're, they're both eight and three. Um, the Packers have a, I, I still tend to think they're going to pull out that uh, division, but but they're, they're kind of slipping a little bit. Uh, but but the Rams are only two games back. And, and you look at Minnesota, uh, they have to play Seattle this coming week. If, if they lose that game, and if the Rams beat Arizona, which they should, um, <laughs> then then it's one game, and and then you don't know what's going to happen over over the course of the last four weeks. I mean, there, there's a, still a scenario where uh, those teams could end up tied at ten and six, and and then you have to go to, to various tiebreakers. So it's not as though all hope is lost, but but it's just this game to me is is not. You you said it perfectly, Jake. It's it's not the direction you want to have. Pointed yourself there. There was a scenario here where the Rams still could have looked good in defeat and and made people think, you know what? Yeah, they lost a, a, a close competitive game uh, against a, a very good team, um, but you know they 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 made themselves look okay and then they gave the fans some hope that 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 they can finish strong. I, I don't know how you get that sense right now. I don't I don't know how you get the sense that. Uh, something great is about to happen over over the last five weeks. But what do you what do you think, Jake? I mean, this is now a, a big game. I mean, essentially the Rams are in you know must win territory. Uh, if you lose this this coming game, this this upcoming game against Arizona, it really is all over. I mean, you you can talk about emotionally or or, or whatever, but just from a from a standing standpoint and a realism standpoint. Uh, if if they lose this game, uh, it's over. I mean, so so what what does your gut tell you here? I mean, is this going to be one of those where you, you're you know you're upset and you can't wait to get back on the field and uh, and you end up with having a great performance, or is this one where you start to worry about them spiraling a little bit? You'd like to see them fight, and you'd like to see them take the route of this was a horrendous loss but we're not going to let it deter us from what what the ultimate goal is and we'll see what kind of fight that they have what kind of fight they have in them against Arizona Sean McVay like you mentioned Rich said you can't lose to the same team twice referring to the Ravens but they play the Cardinals twice coming up and they better not lose both of those games because if they lose this game coming up, it won't matter what happens in the second game. But but the point is, is that you've got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And they've not really done that this season. They've lost a lot of games that they definitely should have won. 
And there were a couple of close games where it could have gone the other way. You could argue that, well, you, you definitely could argue that the Rams should have beaten the Seahawks. Greg Zerline missed a field goal. If he makes the field goal, they win that game. So there are a lot of those games where they could have won. And there were, there were a lot of games that they should have won that didn't. And I think all season, and, and Rich, you can have your own take on this, but I think all season we've been kind of waiting for this team to quote-unquote figure it out. Even after the first three games, which they won, we were kind of saying, well, that's great. They're trying to gel. They're trying to figure things out. They're trying to see what they have in Todd Gurley, what they have in this offensive line. The defense looks good. They're 3-0. and They're in a good spot. But it wasn't necessarily a convincing 3-0. and And it never got more convincing than that. Because then they end up losing the next three games. And you kept thinking after each loss or each win that followed that they were going to somehow turn things around and figure out what was wrong and correct the little mistakes here and there and really show us what type of team they are. And I think that this team on paper is a lot better than what we've seen on the field. Yeah, I, I agree, and it it was I I that was exactly my my take on it too. Is that I didn't know I didn't know what to make of of this season of of this team, and and I think what's what's been in the back of all of our heads is exactly what you said. It, this is a a good the talent that's on this team and and the coaching staff. I mean, we just saw it last season. I, I think we've all have have had the thought in the back of our heads that at some point in time they could flip the switch. And whatever that means to you, uh, offense, defense, special teams, all three, that, that they could just kind of say, you know what, uh, we figured it out and we're, we're back to being the Rams and, and that they could go uh, on a run and, and make the playoffs and maybe even make some some noise in the playoffs. And, and I've continued to have that thought in my head, even after, you know, that the, the midseason stumble, even in the loss, even after the loss to Pittsburgh, you still kind of thought, you know what? Ah, if they get this this kind of some of this stuff figured out, uh, they, they they could still make this happen. But I I'm I'm no longer a believer, Jake. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. Come on, Rich. I, I just I, I can't watch that game last night and and reasonably think that again that that over this last five games they're they're suddenly going to figure this out. They played a very good team, a Super Bowl contending team, and the the gap between those two teams was. So much wider than, than I expected it. To Listen, be. But, if if they had yeah. if they had won the games they were supposed to win, this loss wouldn't have felt so bad. Right. I think. I mean, yeah, right. it's a bad loss, and you could look at it like, okay, you know, but just the timing of it was just the worst. If you had this loss at the beginning of the season, or had they won the games that they were supposed to win, and you get to this game and you say, well. We'd obviously like to win. You'd like to win every game. But if you don't win this game, it's not as a colossal of a loss as it was last night. And I think all things considered, the timing of it was just bad. 
Yeah, that, that Pittsburgh game is going to be one that's remembered, I think, too, as, as being one that was particularly, you know, kind of hurtful, devastating to, to their chances because, uh, you know, you're, you're playing pretty well before the bye, you know, two, two solid wins um, against teams that you should beat. You have a, a full week to, to rest, recover, prepare, and all that, all that. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh team, that's, that's not a world beater. And then to, to take that loss in, in Pittsburgh, again, I think is going to be one that's, that's remembered as, as a hurtful one because yeah it just it all compounds and and then um, you know to have this loss ends up being devastating so uh we'll see uh jake rams cardinals because we're, we're not going to be you should tell people oh, oh programming note i, I guess <laughs> as, as you might say in the in the tv industry um as we're recording this you, you can already uh listen to i know this is uh, the the timing is is kind of poor but uh, I, I was very very um happy and and it was a great great to join uh, be joined by miles simmons the former uh, rams insider he uh he helped me out to do to do a special bonus uh, podcast in in which we broke down the the best of the 2010s uh, for the Rams and an all decade team. We're we're doing this across the across the platform at at the Athletic. Everybody, all the beat writers, picking the their own all decade teams. Um, so I, I wanted to to have Miles on to to talk about some of the players who he covered in St. Louis and and to get his perspective because uh, he he knows that team and, and that decade so well. So we really did have a lot of fun. So again, once uh, Rams fans, once you once you kind of get over or start to get over uh, this loss, I I really would encourage you to ch- check out that other episode too because we did have some fun and, and some really good discussions. But we so we have this episode for you. We actually will not be back. Uh, at the end of the week. So so this will be the last time that, that you hear from uh, Jake and I before that uh, Rams-Cardinals game. But Jake, I don't, I don't know whether there's a whole lot of analysis to, to be had here. The Arizona Cardinals are, um, they're, they're certainly a team in transition, a, a new coach, a, a new quarterback. Um, you know, they, they're, they're not the same team that, that we've seen over the, over the past couple of years. But um, you know they're they're three seven and one right now. The the three teams that they've beaten are Cincinnati, Atlanta, and the New York Giants, and they've been competitive in in some other games. Uh, they they have not been uh, really blown out for the most part the the season. They they took a tough one last month against the Saints, but they've been competitive. They score some points, so this certainly is not a game that you look at and say the Rams are absolutely headed toward a thirty point win or, or something like that. They're they're going to be have to they're going to have to be on the on their game to to, to win this game. But uh, what do you think, Jake? The Cardinals are also coming off a bye week, so so there's a little bit of a, a variable too that that you, that you don't know. But um, I, I think I made my prediction first last week, so I'll give you the opportunity uh, to go first this week. Do you, do you have any sense? Even though it's very early, we're we're just still in the kind of in the wake of that awful uh, Rams uh, game last night. But do you have any early sense of of how this one might go? And and do you have a prediction for the people? I hope it's a better prediction than what I predicted last week for my first prediction on this podcast. I wasn't going to point that out, but, but yeah. <laughs> I think we need to point it out because <laughs> <laughs> it was just atrocious. I picked the Rams to win, and I think the only thing that we got right or that you got right was that the fact that the the Ravens won, and you had a much closer score than what it ended up being. I did. So it's 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 tough, but... I'm going to say that the Rams are going to win this game. I think that I think that they are going to try to get the bad taste out of their mouths 
after this loss, and they're going to go into Arizona and beat this team. I don't think it's going to be a blowout because even the teams that they've that they have that they were supposed to beat this season haven't been really that commanding. You could argue that the Atlanta game was probably the most convincing and even the Cincinnati game, those two games were were fairly convincing, but given the state of this team, I I say that they're going to win and the score I'm going with is 17-10 Los Angeles. Wow. Okay. Uh, the uh, the Vegas the opening line is Rams minus three, uh, which that that can move. I, that, that strikes me as a little bit low. Uh, just you know, I know the Rams are struggling right now, but I kind of see them as, as more than a, a three point favorite in in this game. But but you're right, Jake. I I don't I don't see it being a you know, just a runaway game. Uh, I, I think it'd be a little more high scoring uh, just because the, the Cardinals do have the ability to to put up some points and then they also allow a, a fair amount. So I, I was thinking maybe more along the lines of, of 24-20 or 24-17, uh, something in that range. But but I do I do think the Rams will will pull it out and, and move to 7-5 and five, and then uh, everybody can get on to the very awkward task of, of cheering for the uh, Seattle Seahawks to, mm. to to beat the Minnesota Vikings, which I know is something that, that doesn't go down well uh, for, for Rams fans. But if you're still thinking about the playoffs, then that's probably the direction uh, that that you're going to have to go. So interesting times, Jake. Thank you uh, for your for your insight. It's, it's great having you on, and you know it's nice having a a, a print person and a, and a TV person, and we we kind of bring different perspectives to this in terms of what we look for and, and what we hear. But uh, I think we were kind of on the same page on this one, and uh, interesting to get your insights from the locker room as well. Very valuable. Thanks thanks for joining us again, and please do follow along uh, with with Jake. He's he's a great follow on Twitter. Very insightful. Very interactive. You can get him at Reiner underscore Jake R E I N E R underscore Jake, and and please do watch uh, th- throughout the week. Uh, uh, the CBS has great coverage of of the um, of the Rams and, and great breakdowns. They're always out of practice and and getting some good stuff. and uh, And I know one of your producers, too, Armin, we reconnected with him uh, oh, last yeah. night. We, we went to school together, so it was great to see him. And uh, told him too that uh, that you guys do a great job covering covering the Rams. So thanks for being with us. You can follow along with me on Twitter at Rich underscore Hammond. Uh, I'll also be out there and, and it'll be an interesting week to, to see what the Rams uh, have to say as they head into this game with the Cardinals. But again, we uh, will be back with you next week uh, for, for all of our American friends uh, in the United States. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Hope it's a, it's a good week and, and that you're able to enjoy yourselves and uh, be with some friends and, and fam- family. We, we're certainly thankful uh, for, for your support. And I know uh, everybody comments on on iTunes and, and leaves uh, you know nice reviews and, and nice comments on Twitter. Very much appreciated. It, it does mean a lot. And uh, thank you for that. And Jake, thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you again on uh, next Monday, right? Yep. I'll see you in Arizona. Okay, for sure. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And hang in there. We will talk to you <laughs> after the Rams-Cardinals game. Have a good week.